Could the Auburn Tigers start the season 4-0? I don't think it's a stretch. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining us from Crane and Company in the Daily Wire, it is Jake Crane, the man, the myth, the legend. And we're going to talk about Camarion Franklin. We're going to talk about Peyton Thorne and other fall camp standouts. But first things first, let's look because the season's close enough at this point, Jake. Mm. 4-0. Is it possible for the Auburn Tigers to go 4-0 before they host the Georgia Bulldogs in the Deep South's oldest rivalry for their fifth game this season? That includes a road trip to Cal and a road trip to Texas A&M. Jake Crane, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think with what Hugh Freeze has done with the roster, especially on the offensive line, uh, you know, you have games that and, and as, as people that are watching it, media members, uh, as, as you know, fans are in the same boat as well. We have the luxury of being able to look ahead. The, the, the main thing that Hugh Freeze and I know his staff's going to do, and Auburn's not to a point, you really never want to get to a point where your team can look ahead and, and you're saying, all right, well, week four, we better play well, or week seven, we better play well. They've yeah. got to take it one snap at a time. And not just when they're building the roster, that, that's the blueprint that Nick Saban lays. That's what Kirby Smart does. But when you look, uh, the non-conference, Auburn should be better than every team they play. Uh, starting out in, in the non-conference and obviously finishing there at the end with New Mexico State. Cal is one of those teams. They're just bad enough to scare you. That, that's, what, that's what worries you. Because, again, you, you can sit here and preach, hey, listen, this is a quality ball club. It's a quality ball club. But the players got to watch the film. They have to watch the tape. And women lie, men lie, numbers in the eye in the sky, they don't lie. So deep down, you can sit here and tell yourself, we have to play our best. We have to play our best. And you want that mantra, but when you click that film on and it looks like you got a bunch of people that are on the debate team out there playing, it's hard to hide that. Not that Cal doesn't have some quality players. They do. I'm not, I'm not out here saying, you know, they're the little giants or anything like that. But when it comes to personnel and ability, players know. Uh, it's the same thing I said about NIL in the locker room when they're like, oh, well, are you worried that, you know, it's going to mess up the locker room if this player's getting paid and he's not playing? Well, at the end of the day, the players are going to know who the best player at each position is. So if you're a guy that's that's an older guy that got his job taken, well, if that kid's a better player, it's hard for you to go around the locker room and say, oh, I'm getting screwed, oh, I'm getting screwed. Uh, so when they turn that film on, it's something you got to be a professional, right? That that's, that's when it comes down to how mature is your team. But therein lies the value of being in year one. Therein lies the value of not being relevant, really, when it comes to championships and trophies for a little bit. Uh, Auburn doesn't have that luxury to be able to sit back and say, well, we can just roll our helmet out there and win. So the Texas A&M game is obviously the big one, right? When you're looking at it from a fan perspective, can you go on the road in a hostile environment, a place that Auburn has played well uh, at the end of the day? But I think this Texas A&M team with Bobby Petrino, they've got a big litmus test at Miami. Uh, Is Miami the best team in the world? No, but we're going to know a lot more about Texas A&M. Uh, I like I like Connor Wegman. Uh, I like the Bobby Petrino hire at Auburn. That's going to be the first game where they play personnel that's probably from a depth standpoint better than what they have. So uh, if they can somehow get by that one uh, and play clean, uh, catch a couple breaks, yeah, Auburn's going to have to be four zero for sure. Yeah, I think the biggest test is the A and M trip because 
all the arguments that are pro Cal and the Auburn Cal matchup, I, I'm just not buying them. Our locked on Pac 12 host, Spencer McLaughlin, he's really high on Cal and he thinks Cal's going to beat Auburn. And he told me the reason why is because they brought in a lot of transfers and they had the number 16 transfer class. And it's like, that's not an argument. Auburn's transfer class is significantly better and significantly rated higher. So that doesn't yeah, even make I, sense. Uh, but the, the A&M matchup to me is interesting because I just kind of think the whole Petrino thing is going to work. I don't know why. I just kind of got a feeling that it's going to be kind of a scary combination between him and Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, you know, I, I let off the show. Uh, I, I believe it was Monday with, with why I think it's going to work. And, and there's a lot of reasons. And, you know, people kind of point to the ego stuff. And listen, the Miami game's huge. Right. Sure. That, that could be a springboard game. That could be a step back game. Uh, you don't ever want to just say one game can decide a season. But when you look at where A&M is, when you look at the questions that surround them, when you look at what has happened, you know, previously under the Jimbo Fisher regime, uh, it's that first third and seven call is going to be really interesting. Uh, but look, play calling is a team effort. That's something if you've never been on a headset, it doesn't make much sense. But if you have, there's multiple guys looking at multiple spots. A lot goes into calling plays. Uh, at the end of the day, if the head coach wants to run it, you're going to run it. If the head coach wants to throw it, you're going to throw it. That's why he's the head man. But Jimbo Fisher's kind of in that Kevin Steele uh, now at Alabama. A lot of cachet coming in, going to have a longer leash. You know, it's going to be Nick Saban's defense, but he's going to let Kevin Steele do what Kevin Steele wants to do most of the time because it's a guy he has a lot of respect for. It's obviously one of the reasons he brought in. And, hell, Kevin Steele's been in the game as long as Nick Saban has. I mean, Bobby Petrino – has been in the game as long, if not longer, than Jimbo Fisher has. So, you know, if it goes bad, you know, everybody has an ego in this profession. Some are bigger than others. But here's the thing. When it comes to Cal, Auburn has – if Auburn plays well and Cal plays well, Auburn's going to win. Uh, it's – a lot of people don't realize most teams lose games. They don't win them. Um, you know, that's why, you know, you try and suffocate people and make them make the first mistake. Yeah. But when it comes to the A&M game, it's going to come down to up front. You know, is Auburn going to be able to run the ball? Uh, now, I know we're going to talk about the quarterback battle. I don't want to jump the shark on that one. Sure. But AM's really good up front. They, they return a lot of talent on the offensive line and the defensive line, and, and that's where that game's going to be won. And I would put it at probably 60-40 AM right now, but hell, we haven't even kicked the ball off yet, Zach. Yeah, and I made the case earlier in the offseason, Jake, that this AM game is the most important game on Auburn's schedule. And I'm sure they're not going to prepare for this game any different than any other game this season. But these players know, like, this is their chance to really make a statement, especially if they beat Cal two weeks prior and they've got a chance to be 4-0 and and then the next week host Georgia. If they, I think I think if they Maybe start off 4 yeah. it could be. I think they'd be ranked the top 20 team just because of how the media views A&M. Like, I, I think that'd be a pretty big situation to be in. They're going to be aware of what's at stake here and kind of what's on the table if they want to go in and grab it. So... I think it's just an important – I think that game is going to be more important for Auburn than it is for Texas A&M, and I do think stuff like that matters. Yeah, I, I think when it comes down to the last part, I think it depends on what happens at Miami. If A&M goes and lays an egg at Miami and, and then they drop it to Auburn, it, it could go downhill really, really quickly sure. there in Aggieland and, and then vice versa. But I will say, this is where playing at Cal I think helps you. Good point. Because, you know, it's it's – Obviously, you know, you don't have to be Christopher Columbus to figure out Cal's a further trip than AM, but this is the first time that this team has traveled with this coaching staff. You know, yeah. different coaching staffs prepare differently when you go on the road. So I, I think having that experience, and this is where having an experienced quarterback.
Go, Robbie Astrid included. I mean, Robbie Astrid played at Bama. It doesn't get any harder than that, bud. Sure. So uh, at, the, at the end of the day, um, I, I think that trip to Cal can help you somewhat just from a, you know, a structure standpoint. But make no mistake, this they know this will be the, the biggest test that they've faced so far. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And imagine if Hugh Freeze is able to take this Auburn team into College Station and get a big win against an undefeated, uh, possibly undefeated A&M team on the road. Uh, th- that would be a hell of an accomplishment, and it, it would—it's one of those swing games, right? We talk about eight and four, seven and five, ceiling nine and three. This one at Arkansas—you know, those are two that—that that if you're able to split that, you know, eight and four is really looking like a legitimate possibility. Sure. All right, Jake. There's been a ton of storylines throughout Auburn's fall camp, specifically with the quarterbacks, but the only yeah. storyline that matters was the one that we brought with us into fall camp. We touch on that next, right here. Unlocked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Football season's about to kick off. Yes, we're all so excited. FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get the bonus bets back every time they win in the regular season. Just pick a team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets back for every victory. And you can use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Jake Crane of Crane & Company hanging out with us every single Thursday. Jake, there's been a lot of hype about Holden Gurner. He had an impressive scrimmage this past Saturday. It sounds like Robbie Ashford uh, has vastly improved from a year ago, which props to him for putting in the work. But the storyline that seems to be most important is the one that we came in to the fall camp with. And that's Peyton Thorne came here from Michigan State to be Auburn's starting quarterback. And it seems like he's still the favorite to do so based off of how the last few practices since the scrimmage has gone. Are you surprised by this at all? Or you say, no, this this certainly makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you listen or watch Crane and Company, or you obviously listen or, or watch this show, last time I came on here and we talked about this, it's going exactly how we kind of forecasted it would. Uh, you know, I do think Peyton Thorne's going to win the job, but Robbie Ashford is going to play. Uh, again, if I had, and this is a perfect world and it's a hypothetical, but it's still the preseason. We have to live in hypotheticals. If I had to take a, a Robbie Ashford operating at 100% and more efficient as a passer and Peyton Thorne operating at 100%, in this offense, I would take Robbie Ashford because he's a bigger threat with his legs. Uh, but I think what you're going to see, because the Peyton Thorne thing – when you're a new quarterback coming in, you're a new player in general, you didn't go through spring, so you didn't get those live fire reps with yeah. the new terminology. And it's not just what the play's called, it's what the formation's called, it's what the personnel grouping's called, it's when you have to check the protections. What are the motions called? What do you call the defenses that you think you're, what do you call cover two? What do you call cover six? What do you call cover three? I can go through it. What do you call your combo coverages, your split coverages? Sure. So that, that takes time and you, Going in a meeting room and looking on a board and saying, okay, this is this is red, this is blue, that's one thing. Going out there and taking the snap when grown men are running at you full speed and you have to process, all right, here's my read, here's my read, there's my check down, get rid of it. Or I have to open up this way on the boot, or I have to have this footwork or this type of drop or, or this type of, of action. Uh, it's, it's a lot going on. So I'm not surprised that Peyton Thorne hasn't outright won the job, but – 
I do think the experience factor that he has a little bit more than Robbie Astor, but Robbie still has really good experience, as I mentioned. I think Peyton's going to win the job, but I think Robbie is going to play a significant amount of snaps each game, short yardage situations, whether that be third, whether that be fourth, red zone situations. I think they're going to line Robbie Ashford up uh, at wide receiver in a couple of these formations and have some plays built in. Because, again, if if I'm trying to use my personnel to the fullest, right, and I'm sitting here and saying, how can I threaten the defense the most? Well, Robbie Ashford's one of the best athletes on the field when he's out there. All sure. right, we know he can catch. Now, I'm not saying he's Devontae Adams, but we know he can catch the ball, and obviously he can run and make moves. That's, that's who he is at heart. But if I line him up at slot, now if I'm a, a safety – I, I have a problem because if they throw some type of bubble, some type of swing action to him that allows him to be able to still be an eligible passer, I can't just lose my mind running up. Like, I have to manipulate the way I play. If I'm a defensive play caller, I have to manipulate the way that I teach that week because mm-hmm. all you have to do is put it on film a couple times. We used to do the same thing on punt. I would put one of our backup quarterbacks, and we had kind of a, we had a kid named Trey Fetner who was our third-string quarterback, kind of our wildcat guy, threw it just well enough to scare you. And he played our personal protector on punt. And we used to have punt return teams just staying safe because they were scared to death we were going to snap it to them and have some sort of pass combination that they weren't ready for out there. So just having – you could throw them the bubble and just let them run. You could throw them the bubble, have the outside receiver stalk and go. There's 12 different things that you can just send them in motion, hand them the ball behind the line of scrimmage, run a throwback. It just it adds another wrinkle, and the whole goal, one or one of the biggest goals of an offensive coordinator is to steal a defensive coordinator's practice time. How can I steal an extra seven to ten minutes every day from you so you're not implementing new things or working on our base stuff? And I think Robbie Astor gives you that element in multiple ways. So that's interesting. Uh, so you said significant amount of snaps. How many snaps is that? A game, Jake. If we're saying every position, right? Quarterback, wide receiver, you know, whatever you want to call it. I would I would not be shocked if he got anywhere between 15 to 25 snaps a game. Short yardage, things like that. I would not be shocked at all. I love the idea of him in short yardage. I love it. Especially on the goal line. Are you kidding me? You're not stopping. It's a problem. Well, and it's not just it's not just a problem. Everybody just assumes jump pass, right? Or a pass out of it. The defense can't just load up against the run because, you know, because uh, he can't throw. Obviously, Robbie can throw it. Robbie can Agreed. throw it well enough to be, be competing for the quarterback job at Auburn. But where else it stresses you on the edges, right? Because everybody thinks about, all right, fourth and short, third and short, right? Which, to me, I would love for you to get under center and just QB sneaking. I don't understand, like, as a defensive guy, you see in the NFL now, everybody's like, oh, my God, the Eagles are the smartest team alive. What it's the most simple thing to do. Yeah, Tom like, Brady did that for 20 years, 20 by the way. 20 years. If every third and one, I would QB sneak it twice. Third and one and fourth and one. And if we can't get that, we need to pack up our stuff yeah, and go, go home. sit our ass back in the bus. That's what right. we need to do. Excuse my language, but it's the truth. It's football. Grow up, Peter Pan. So when when I'm looking at Robbie Ashford, he stretches the perimeter. I can't just load everybody inside because he can outrun everybody to the edge, which opens up what? The inside, they have to play you more even. So you're worried about the pass. You're worried about the interior run. You're worried about the exterior run, which means you are spread out. And when you're spread out, I can do a lot of different things. There's a lot of more operating room to be able to do what I want to do. Yeah. And also, I mean, everybody thinks about, okay, well, if Robbie's a quarterback, you know, that's where the focus is. Been like, sure, but you've still got Rivaldo Fairweather. 
on the field. You've still yeah. got all these massive receivers that you brought in a Jair shorter, a Camden Brown, you know, a Shane hooks. And it's like, you've got to deal with that. You've got to deal with that. And if you got more guys on the line of scrimmage, you got less guys covering all those dudes. So I'm with you. Robin Peter to pay Paul is a real thing. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Other guys whose names that you've heard throughout fall camp that have maybe stood out or impressed you so far with what you've heard. Man, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of great things about Cam Stutz at guard. Um, okay. They, they talk about the way he's elevated his play. I mean, I'm hearing a lot of positive things on the offensive line in general, which, mm-hmm. you know, God, thank you, God. Isn't that nice? Please, thank you. Like, it's it's about to – now, we'll see. They got to go play. But it's just – it's going to be nice to not have a group of, you know, just offensive linemen that look like, you know, they're, they're coming out of their senior year of high school in Texas. Like, no offense well, to the guys. They played hard. They worked hard. <laughs> but my washing machine works hard. You have to go out there and move people. And the fact that I, I'm not going to want to puke in my hands on every third and two because I know we're about to get stuffed like a Thanksgiving turkey, that's going to make me feel a lot better. Obviously, Jair Shorter, the Fairweather kid's a matchup nightmare. We knew that coming in. But I'm hearing yeah. a lot of great things about Damari Austin, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, got, obviously, Jarquez, I'm unbelievably excited about Jarquez. But if you have that one-two punch with a capable offensive line, with a quarterback that's a threat to run in this RPO system, now you're and guys that can go get 50-50 balls. You don't have a bunch of you know Peter Dinklage's running around out there. It's a legitimate problem for defenses. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about this throughout the the last few weeks, but I just remember pretty much every offensive line since 2017, we've had to really talk ourselves into like, this guy oh, could man. be good. You know, this is his fourth year as a starter. Maybe he could figure it out finally. But all of a sudden now you just you, I mean, these practice windows, you look at the offensive line, it's like, that looks like an SEC offensive line. That yeah. looks and, right. Yeah, and well, and here's where it helps you out where a lot of people don't realize it. These, get, we talk about what's one of Auburn's biggest questions going in this year. It's the pass rush, right? Yeah. Well, guess what makes the defensive line way better? People always ask me on the show on Credit Company, man, how do Auburn fans that will call in, how does Georgia's freshmen and Alabama's freshmen and Michigan's freshmen, how are they able to play at such a high level so quickly? And it feels like it takes a while for offense. Well, guess what? When the best player you go against every day, or, or you go against the best player every day in practice, you only play the other teams one time a week. So it, it makes it easier. The adjustment is easier because it's a lot harder to go up against the guy, you're, to beat the guy who knows you, number one, knows your moves. And number two is capable enough to beat you consistently where you become a better player. That's how. the old, You insert whatever cliche you want. Iron sharpens iron. You know, competition. It's the truth. So yeah. I, I think this offensive line is the reason you're hearing that Auburn's pass rush, another place, that is, is improving. They're starting to feel a little bit better about that. And uh, it's just, it helps all around. It makes everybody better. Well, the future of Auburn's roster looks like it could be improving. Will Auburn be getting another five-star soon? We discuss in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. want to encourage you to join the Locked on Auburn Discord. It's free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below. Jake, Camarion Franklin uh, making his decision soon. My understanding is it's over this weekend. The five-star defensive lineman from the state of Mississippi. A lot of crystal balls coming in. Pointing Auburn's direction. Sounds like Miami's trying to make a late push. Tennessee's not going anywhere. Ole Miss is begging him to to stay home, stay to the, uh, in the SIP. But are we looking at a situation where Auburn may be picking up its third five-star in the 2024 class? Oh, God. Just put it on a pillow and smother me to death with it. I mean, just please go to eight and four. 
Just go eight and four and keep the recruiting momentum. I oh do think gosh. Auburn's going to get Camarion Franklin. I, you know, it's something that that we've been saying. Yeah. You know, you never know with, with 17, 18 year old kids how it's going to go, especially late when they start feeling that that real pressure. Um, but right now, Auburn Auburn's sitting in the catbird seat, and if Auburn has three fives, so just imagine. So recruiting's about relationships. Hugh Freeze has not been at Auburn long. He was when he took the job. He you automatically start out two years behind because these other places where the head coaches and they've had continuity, they've been recruiting these kids for a while. The fact that he flipped a Georgia commit, a high Georgia commit that they wanted, uh, the Riddick kid. Then you flip Perry Thompson, a five-star wide receiver committed to Bamp from Foley. That mm-hmm. that doesn't happen, nope. right? That's Julio Jones and Robert Lester stomping grounds. Auburn doesn't go into Foley and get kids. Uh, you got him. Now, if you're able to go get a five-star defensive lineman and you just got TJ Lindsey that committed, Auburn for Auburn to compete with the Georgias and Alabamas consistently, it's going to take a lot more Kamari and Franklins than it will wide receivers and DBs. And that's not a knock. You want the best DBs and wide receivers out there. That's not what I'm saying. But if you want to bridge the gap, this game is won and lost up front. The reason why the SEC slaps other conferences around is because they're bigger and better and deeper up front. That's where you bridge the gap, and that it would be a huge pull for Auburn. I think they're in great shape. Yeah, it's just the, this late push by Auburn to seemingly land Mary Franklin, and I think it means a lot that he was he made like a last-second trip to Auburn right before the dead period started back. I mean, I think that's always telling. Track the kids' visits. That certainly means something. But just Auburn, and it's really trickled down to the Auburn fan base, this mindset of no one is off limits anymore is one of the most empowering things I've seen with Auburn recruiting maybe ever. And Zach, here's why. And and I've said this to you, you know, off air. I, I believe yeah. I said it on air. I, I've got no personal animus towards Brian Harson, N- None. And I was so disappointed because I always, I was in the business. I always want to give guys benefit of the doubt. Sure. I thought Brian Harson having the guts to get out of his comfort zone and come to the SEC. I thought that said a lot about how hard he was going to work in recruiting, how you know much he understood what he was getting into. But Brian Harson did not want to recruit the way that you have to. I mean, Nick Saban's the greatest of all time. I know it's Auburn show, but if we're going to be honest with ourselves, Nick Saban's the greatest of all time. Sure. And he works as hard as any coach does in recruiting, even now. Kirby Smart won back-to-back natties. He's out on the recruiting trail doing as much as anybody. Brian Harson did not put in the work for Auburn to be able to recruit at a high level. He's a house cat, wanted his milk brought to him. Hugh Freeze understands at a place like Auburn, number one, you can go get him. Because Auburn ain't afraid of damn nobody. Nobody. You can win there. It's a golden egg place. It's a place you can win. You can stand up to everybody else. You look left, you look right, and they're right there. You can win at Auburn. You got everything here, the resources. The town runs on the football program. The fan base and Auburn's all together right now. They're all aligned. We've talked about that before on this show. But Hugh Freeze understands the work that it takes, and he understands how important it is. And he's got a second chance. He saw his professional life flash before his eyes. And it's amazing what that does to somebody that's truly a good person. But Hugh Freeze is putting in the work. This staff is putting in the work. They understand what it's – and guess what? They want to win. They want to win as bad as anybody. And Auburn is in such good hands that you got a guy that doesn't want to just open the door. He wants to kick it down and run in like the Kool-Aid guy. And that's what Auburn's doing right now. And if they can go out and show improvement on the field in year one and keep that momentum, 
There is no telling what Hugh Freeze can do at Auburn. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise, because when they talk about Hugh Freeze in this negative light, I call it the, the recess rule. You Ooh. pick on the people that you're worried about. You make fun of the people that you're worried about. And Hugh Freeze is out here just grabbing more five stars than a telescope, and people are starting to get worried. So I'm just telling you right now, Auburn's in great hands. I think you're going to continue to see the momentum in recruiting. And he hasn't even started. He didn't even have the, the two, three-year relationship yet. Wait till that happens with that new facility now and then show an improvement on the field. I'm going to tell you what, you, you poke the bear long enough, eventually he wakes up and rips your face off. And that's what Hugh Freeze is waiting to do. Jake Crane, how can people check out everything you've got going on, brother? Man, it's really easy. We're literally like 4,000 subs away from 100,000 on YouTube. So, let's get them uh, there, folks. Yeah, let's, let's get them there. Let, let's get there, man. I want to have that party before college football season. Like, it's we got, you know, nine, eight, nine days till uh, college football kicks off. Uh, so, yeah, just go to YouTube. It's Crane and Company, C-R-A-I-N-N Company. We're live uh, each weekday morning, 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central. We're going to have a Sunday recap show where we're talking everything college football. We have live call-ins, a live chat. Great guest. Just had Tim Brando on today. Uh, just had Brandon Marcello. We get Tom Luganville on all the time, former players too and, and coaches. So come check us out, man. It's a good time. Yep, it's worth it. Be sure to check it out. And let's get them to 10,000 subs, folks. 100,000. 100, I'm so sorry. 100,000. I left off a zero. Zeros matter, and I'm so sorry. I'm nah, so sorry. Good, bro. I'm trying yeah, to get be, like you, man. Be sure to check out uh, my written work at auburndaily.com, and we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.